Before we get started this morning, let me uh, pray for us, okay? Father, we thank you for another beautiful day in Arizona, another uh, day where your, your grace uh, is apparent in our lives, another day where the sun shines, and um, we're grateful for your presence with us here this morning. I thank you for the people in this room, God, who, uh, who've come together willingly to worship you, uh, to be challenged, to grow, um, and we just give you praise for who you are. We pray that you would uh, touch us with your word this morning, um, challenge us, and move in our hearts, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Um, so several years ago, I had this opportunity, um, this incredible chance to go on this mission trip to Pakistan. I've mentioned this a couple times here at Maricopa Springs. And our job while we were there was to distribute Bibles to essentially unreached people groups. We were at uh, the intersection of the Hindu Kush, the Karakoram, and the Himalaya Mountains, uh, an incredible area where some of the world's largest mountain, mountains are um, are located, and uh, our, our job was to go to these people who had never seen a Bible before, had, they're, they're primarily Muslims, so they've heard the name of Jesus, but they have no idea that uh, there's a, a faith out there that believes that Jesus is the Son of God who rose from the dead and died for their sins. Um, and uh, our goal was to distribute some of these Bibles so that a missionary who was there long term could come a few months afterward and install a water system uh, and then follow up with these people and bring them the gospel, bring them the good news of Jesus. And uh, it was just an incredible experience for me. And I remember one of the first towns that we came to was in the Hunza Valley of Pakistan. Um, you can try and Google map it, but it doesn't even come up uh, because it's so remote. And um, there was no hotel, no inn, no place to stay. Uh, you know, a town of a couple hundred people, if you included kind of the far outlying regions, maybe as many as a few thousand. And uh, we come to this town, we have no place to stay. I mean, our backpacks, we do have sleeping bags in there, but other than that, they're loaded with Bibles. So we have like a change of clothes and a ton of Bibles that we're trying to sneak in um, under cover of night so that we don't get in trouble. Because in Pakistan, it's actually illegal to proselytize. It's illegal to talk about Jesus in, in an effort to get people to convert from, uh, from Islam. Um, and as we're walking through this first city nowhere to stay, we're praying and we're asking God to provide. You know, we're just saying, God, we don't have tents. Uh, it's pretty cold at night here. If, uh, if something doesn't come up, we're going to be sleeping out on the street. And so please provide a place for us to stay. And eventually we meet this young man. Um, and uh, shortly after beginning this conversation with him, he asks us, you know, where are you staying? Why don't you guys come and stay at my house with me? Uh, why don't you come and, and spend a couple days living in my home with me and my family? And, um, you know, he offered to feed us. He, well, he didn't offer. He said that his mother would cook us food, um, <laughs> which is customary. Men don't cook food there. Um, but he said he'd open his home, even offered to, uh, to, to let us have his bed so that he would sleep on a carpet in the living room, if you can call it a living room. And it was this invitation that, that I'll never forget. Uh, Shimsha was his name. And uh, just this incredible gesture of hospitality that set the mood for the rest of our two months there in Pakistan. And it opened the door for us to share the gospel with him, with his uh, family, with his mother, with his friend, uh, Rahman, who came over as well. And it was this simple invitation, but it altered the trajectory of our trip. Uh, the people in, in Pakistan, especially in the Hunza Valley, incredibly hospitable. 
And we never would have saw it coming because most of them live in essentially poverty. He was actually a fairly wealthy man in this village. Um, but a simple invitation, but it altered the trajectory of our trip. It was this powerful revelation of God's sovereign hand on what he had called us to do in Pakistan. And we're toward the end of our Triple Dare series here. We're actually going to add one on to the end and go one more week next week. Um, but today, I want to dare you individually, and I want to dare us as a church, to make an invitation, like Shimsha made an invitation to us, to come and stay in his home. And I think, honestly, this is probably going to be the hardest dare of any of the dares that we talk about. Um, two weeks ago, we dared you to pray, uh, which really, if, as long as you can remember to do it, is a pretty easy dare, right? I mean, uh, most of us probably pray on a daily basis, even if it's something simple like just praying over our food. Um, daring, daring for you guys to pray, daring you to pray, is not a, a difficult ask. Last week, daring you to give away your money, little bit harder, uh, but it's really just a matter of kind of prioritizing your finances and trusting God. You know, it's a difficult one, I'll give you that, um, but really, daring you to make an invitation, and I'm going to unpack what that means here more in just a minute, is daring you to take a relational risk. I'm daring you to risk your comfort level, I'm daring you to, to risk your reputation, to risk rejection possibly. Um, I'm daring you to risk and, and, and make sacrifices, you know, like Shimsha made when he gave up his bed and his food. Um, there's this real element in daring you to, to make an invitation of personal sacrifice. There's even some danger, I would say, that's involved. Um, and I don't know about you, but I, personally for me, it's easier to write a check for something than it is to, to take a relational risk for a cause or to be inconvenienced by a cause that kind of steps into your world. And for my host in Pakistan, Shimsha, you know, inviting us into his home, it meant giving up food. It, it meant him and his family eating less than they normally ate, which really was not very much. It meant uh, changing his schedule for the week. Whatever he had going on, now he had guests who were going to stay with him for a couple days, and it was an inconvenience for him. Um, giving up his bed, uh, you know, it, it was an incredibly nice bed. The other option was a very uncomfortable dirt floor with a lot of rocks. Um, you know, he, he took this risk by making an invitation. And so my dare for you today in our Triple Dare series is I dare you to invite someone. And I really think uh, it's going to be the hardest dare of all. But usually, if you think about it, some of the most difficult things in our lives, once we've worked through them, produce some of the greatest fruit in our lives. They produce some of the greatest personal character growth. And I hope that you guys will uh, take me up on this dare, okay? So the real idea and the real purpose behind this series is to dare you to jump in and help build God's church. Not just our church, not just Maricopa Springs Family Church, but to build God's church in, a, in the grand scheme of what he's doing. And yes, Maricopa Springs is a small part of that. We want you to invest in your local church, in this local church. And the truth is, Without you making an invitation, and like I said, I'm going to lay it out what that looks like here in a few minutes, our church is not going to grow. The church, God's church, is never going to grow without you making some sort of invitation. And I believe one of the primary purposes of the, the church on earth is to grow, to grow. And to grow, uh, for us as people who go to church, to grow deeper in our relationship with God, to grow deeper in our worship of who he is 
to grow deeper in our fellowship with one another as we connect and we create a loving, accepting community. And to grow in the number of people who love God and who have surrendered their lives to serve Jesus. That's the whole purpose of the church. And if we've already accomplished it, then Jesus would have come by now. And we'd all be gone. But we haven't yet. So we're still on this mission. And as I talked about in our first week of this series, three weeks ago, my my message was titled Clarity. Because I wanted to clarify what is the grand mission of God's church here on earth and what is the mission behind Maricopa Springs. It's to accomplish that, to grow, to grow in our spiritual depth and our love for God, to grow in our community and our service to one another, and to grow in the number of people who show up to worship God. And we don't get there without each one of us being sold out to this idea, and and especially this dare of an invitation. So there's three parts to this dare, and I want to dare you to make all three uh, parts of this a part of your week this week, okay? And, and it is essential that we're talking about this week, okay? That's part of the dare. Because if we uh, extend it out to a month, my life is crazy just like your life. By tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to have forgot most of the dare. I'll be honest with you. Uh, you know, within a week from now, it's going to be in the very back of my mind as the oil change has to happen and the lawn has to be mowed and the bills have to be paid, et cetera, et cetera. I know how, light, how crazy life is. Once you leave this room, the clock is ticking and it's only going to be a short period of time before we kind of forget what the dare is. And so more than likely, if you don't follow through this week, you're probably not going to do it. So the time frame is crucial. The other reason why I think it should be this week is because we've been praying for people that I want to challenge you to make an invitation to this week for the last couple of weeks. That was the dare two weeks ago, to pray. To ask God to show you the people that you should be lifting up in prayer, who, the people who he has already begun to do a work in their lives. And let's not waste any more time. We've spent two weeks praying. We've been asking God to work and to move. And now I believe is the time for us to look to make some sort of invitation to see God work and move in the lives of those people that we've been asking him to. So it seems appropriate that we take action now. We don't wait any longer. Um, So here we go. Dare part one. Okay, This is dare three, part one. Okay, I want you guys to read with me Luke 19. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn there. Luke chapter 19. If you grew up going to church at all, this will be a familiar story for you. You can even join me in singing the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. You know the one I'm talking about. The story of Zacchaeus. So Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Let me read this. He entered Jericho, that's Jesus, and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. 
And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It's people dare this first part, but I want to dare you to invite somebody over to your house for dinner this week. That may, be, uh, that may seem like a strange application to pull from this passage. But I want to dare you to invite somebody over to your house for dinner this week. It could be someone from our church. It could be somebody else you know. But I want to dare you to practice hospitality and build relationships for the sake of God's kingdom. Uh, again, it may sound a little bit strange, but if you invite somebody from our church over for dinner... You're investing in the community of our church and helping to build a place where there's no pretense. Um, It's easy to show up here on a Sunday morning and and be friendly and cordial and snack on a donut and stand around one of our nice new bar tables and still remain relatively anonymous. You could do that. And and if you've spent any time in in a church... uh, maybe you've come to find that it can be very easy for the church to become a place where everyone shows up and pretends that everything in their life is okay, while in reality, at home, life is falling apart. And we all assume that we're the only ones who have garbage, we're the only ones whose lives are falling apart, and so we have to come together in a community and and pretend like everything is okay. The reality of it is, everyone in this room has some sort of garbage in their life, something that is falling apart. And when we come together as a church community, there shouldn't be that kind of pretense. Jesus walks by and he sees Zacchaeus hanging, up and, hanging out up in this sycamore tree, and he knows he's a sinner. He knows immediately that Zacchaeus lives on the fringe of his community. I mean, how difficult would it have been for him to simply come up to somebody and say, hey, I'm short anyway, can I stand in front of you? But he doesn't even have the courage to ask that. Instead, he climbs up in a tree because he's afraid. He's concerned that people will will judge him for who he is. And Jesus makes this invitation to Zacchaeus that extends hospitality in a way that's very disarming for Zacchaeus. It allowed Zacchaeus to enter into this relational community with Jesus without feeling like he had to hide his brokenness. He even comes out almost immediately and says, if I've defrauded anybody, if, more like, Jesus, because I have defrauded people, I will now pay them back four times what I took from them. He was a tax collector, which was known to be a very shady trade, where they would shave off what they wanted from the top of the taxes they collected. And I think when we invite someone into our home, we give them the opportunity to see our world. We open up the doors for personal connection on a deeper level, to create an opportunity for for deeper, more meaningful relationships. And Jesus didn't have a home to invite Zacchaeus into, so he does it in a very unique way that I don't recommend you try. Uh, In our culture today, that wouldn't fly for you to walk up and say, you know what, I'm going to come over to your house today. So you, so you get ready, you heat that grill up, and let's do it. it in, in, in the culture of this day, though, in Jesus' day and time, it was an incredible honor for a host to have someone with the celebrity status that Jesus had recently acquired to come and visit their home. Zacchaeus, I'm sure, was the talk of the town for at least a week after this meeting with Jesus. 
And so again, while I don't recommend that you uh, do it in that way, extending this invitation of hospitality has great potential to build God's kingdom. Jesus breaks down barriers by telling Zacchaeus that he's going to come to his house. It's a very disarming uh, encounter between the two of them. So in my dare to invite somebody over for dinner, I want to give you the option to do one of two things. Either invite somebody from our church, who maybe you've had kind of a casual social connection with here on a Sunday morning, to come over and, and to have dinner with you. I'm going to give you even until next Sunday after church. So that it would be real simple to say today, hey, why don't you guys come over and we'll, we will barbecue some burgers next Sunday. Or invite someone who doesn't go to our church. And let me unpack that a little bit more. I love this passage about Zacchaeus. Jesus does the unexpected in his invitation here. He doesn't invite himself into the house of his peers. He doesn't invite himself into the house of the religious leaders, the politically powerful. Instead, he chooses to hang out with Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the sinner, the fraud. He specifically identifies Zacchaeus because of his position as a, a member, a fringe member of the community. Now, one of the primary reasons our church exists is to reach people who don't know Jesus. That's one of the reasons that we are here. But how can we do that if we don't know anybody who is not a Christian? What happens so many times at churches is as they grow, everybody becomes BFF. And then all you end up doing is hanging out with Christian people, which is not bad to an extent. But how can we reach lost people if we don't know any lost people? So if you feel more comfortable inviting somebody who does not go to our church, do that. I dare you to invite your neighbor over, someone you know here in town casually, but you've never extended that kind of invitation to, someone who doesn't already go to church. So you can build a relationship with them, so you can reach somebody far from God, so you can get to know who they are, what their perspective is, and you can begin to understand through God's eyes how deeply he loves them, even though they may be far from him like Zacchaeus was. And over time, through the power of that relationship, through the power of God's spirit at work in their lives, you're going to have opportunities, I believe, to challenge your new friends to consider what life in Christ might look like for them. To consider the hope that you have in salvation through Jesus. And I think inviting someone who doesn't go to church over for dinner it actually leads into the second part of my dare this morning, okay? I want to dare you guys to invite somebody to come check out our church, to come check out Maricopa Springs. I want to read another passage with you, Matthew 4, if you'll turn there. We'll put that up on the screens too. We're going to bounce around a little bit this morning. Matthew 4, verses 18 through 22. Let me read it. This is about Jesus. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and followed him. This story has always intrigued me. I find it just absolutely fascinating. Maybe they had a rough night of fishing, or they just really hated mending nets. I'm not sure. 
But something about this invitation was compelling. And Jesus goes up to these complete strangers, and he tells them to come and just check out what he's up to. And something about that invitation from him is so compelling that they literally, it says immediately, immediately they stop what they're doing and they begin to follow him. And I don't know about you guys, but I tend to think that most people I interact with have no interest in church whatsoever. I assume that. I assume that they're disinterested, they'd rather be sleeping. And so 99 times out of 100, even if there's an opportunity, I don't invite them. I think that they would rather not be here. I make the decision for them that they're not interested in church, and so I end up never asking them, never even inviting them, never giving them the option to make the decision for themselves. And if Jesus had consulted me on this one before he went up to the, to, uh, the disciples here, before they were disciples, you know, if he'd said, hey, what do you think about these guys? I would have been like, nah, they look pretty busy. They're mending nets. You know, they probably have better things to do than follow you. I think we should find somebody who's just kind of sitting around, you know, not doing anything. And they're fishermen. I mean, really, what kind of potential do they have? Right? I'm just kidding. But, you know, in in some ways, the invitation that Jesus gives in this passage, it is an invitation that requires a lot. The disciples, they're supposed to just leave everything and go. In some ways, it does require a lot. But at the same time, at this point, he's really not asking for much. He approaches them and he says, uh, come follow me. See what I'm about. See what I'm doing. He doesn't say, torch the boats. We're moving to Siberia. He just says, why don't you leave what you're doing and come see what I'm up to? It's a pretty simple, just check this out. Check this out. Give up a few minutes of your day to come see what I'm all about. If you don't dig it, you can always come back to mending the nets. But he courageously asks, and I want to dare you this morning to invite somebody to come check our church out. In spite of the fact that we put up signs every week, we have several newspaper articles that have been written about our church since we launched a couple years ago. We've advertised on Google. We've been here over two years. Um, Most people in Maricopa have no idea that Maricopa Springs Family Church meets here on a Sunday. And I can attest to that because a lot of times uh, where I work, I mention our church, and people are like, I had no idea. I've been living here four or five years. I had no idea your church was here. Most people just don't know because they've never been invited to check our church out. Uh, we picked Kiana up this morning, and I thought it was hilarious driving over here. There's, a, there's an intersection on Porter and uh, Honeycutt. There's like 10 church signs. It's so overwhelming that instead of reading them, you just, you just ignore them because you can't even take it, right? As, as compelling as a church sign may be, the reason why most people have never heard of our church is because they've never been invited. They don't know that a church like our church exists here in Maricopa because we've never extended the invitation to them. Like Jesus extends the invitation to his disciples to come check out what he's up to. I remember when I was in middle school, you may not think things are very significant when you're in middle school, but when you're in middle school, things are significant. I remember when I was in middle school, um, my friend invited me to come check out his church. And I just moved to the suburbs of Chicago from California. We lived there as, when, when I was younger, but we moved to California and then we moved back. 
And I had no friends other than this kid, Steve. And he was a friend of mine from when I was like a little, little kid. And we didn't go to the same school. Steve and I didn't go to the same school. But we lived in the same neighborhood. And every day I would go to school and I would sit at this table, seventh grade, all by myself for like three months. It was miserable. It was one of those like double long lunch tables. And everyone else in the cafeteria is sitting at a table with their BFFs. And here I am all by myself. Every now and then, this kid Tony would come over and just ask me if I thought girls in California were hot. But that was it. <laughs> I was like, dude, I don't, what are you talking about? Um, and I had no other friends. I sat at this lunch table by myself. And Steve had no idea how desperately I needed a community. He had no idea that God had already been priming my life so that I'd be ready to respond to an invitation to go check out his church. But his church had been a significant part of his life. So he invited me to come check it out. And honestly, that invitation changed my life. It really did. Um, I grew up going to church. My dad was actually a pastor. But we ended up, he ended up working in this church that was so dysfunctional that after three years he quit and he was like, I want nothing to do with full-time ministry ever again. And he went back to school to get his doctorate. And uh, while he teaches sometimes in churches, he has never pursued a position to be full-time on a staff again. My parents were so burned that when we moved back to Chicago, they were like, hey, if you kids want to go to church, great. We're not going to make you. It's a pretty dysfunctional place. So if, if you want to, that's up to you. And uh, I don't know. I think they just for a while detoxed and read their Bibles by themselves. Um, they wanted us to love Jesus, but they just couldn't bring us to, they couldn't force on us this desire to go to church. And, and I can say with absolute certainty that if Steve had not given me an invitation to go to church, I wouldn't have found one on my own. I wouldn't have thought this is a great place for me to get connected and find community. And I didn't really know everything that the church had to offer. So why would I even start looking? I had no idea that it could be a place of hope, of community, of relationship, of significance, of interaction with God. I would have just continued to kind of drift not knowing what community to belong to, not knowing that there was a community out there that was rooted in love that I could find an identity in. And I want you to consider the fact that maybe God has placed you in the lives of people that you know so that you could extend an invitation to them to follow him, to check out what he's all about. And that leads into the third part of our dare, to invite, and it's the most difficult and most significant part of all, okay? I want to dare you to invite somebody to give their life to Jesus. I don't know if you've ever done that. I don't even know how, maybe your pulse just started picking up a little bit and you started sweating. That's how I feel when I think about that. And I want to caution you a little bit on this one, especially those of you who like a challenge, because I know there's some of you out there who are like, yeah, bring it on, I can do this. The goal of this dare is not to send you out to do street evangelism and have a contest to see who can save the most souls in the shortest period of time, okay? In our postmodern culture, the, uh, the street evangelism model that used to be effective 40, 50 years ago is not super effective anymore. I'm not saying that it's not effective. I think there are some times when it should be done. Um, but in a postmodern culture like ours, the decision to surrender your life to Jesus, it takes some time. It takes some careful observation. It takes some, some, well, like Jesus did, come follow me, come check it out before you draw the line and step over it. So while I want you to be open to the possibility of God giving you an opportunity this week 
to invite somebody to surrender their life to Jesus, this part of the dare may take a little bit of time. It may take some time. And, and you have my permission to take time. <laughs> the main idea behind this part of the dare is to help us understand, if I can put it this way, for those of us who've committed our lives to, to Christ, we are all professional Christians. Let me explain that a little bit more. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm the lead pastor at Maricopa Springs, but the command that Jesus left his followers to go and make disciples, it was a command for all believers. You know, at, at the Great Commission, when he left his church with the mission to take the good news of his death and resurrection, of grace and forgiveness through the cross, he didn't say, and tell your pastors to go and make disciples to go to the ends of the earth telling people about me. And I think we've kind of gotten in this mindset today within Christianity that only people employed by the church are supposed to invite people to give their lives to Jesus. That's why your pulse started pounding a little bit and you started sweating when I said that. And it's just not true. It's really not. We're all professional Christians. It's our responsibility, all of us, our joyful responsibility. It's not a duty or something that we do uh, because it's, it's a task that's been placed in front of us. It's our joyful responsibility to invite people to consider surrendering their lives to Jesus. And honestly, we're so much more effective in carrying out Jesus' command and go and make disciples when every one of us is ready to make an invitation, to offer an invitation for someone to give their life to Jesus the moment that that opportunity presents itself. We're so much more effective. Let me read Romans 10, verses 9 through 15 with you guys. It says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. There's two parts to this passage. And the second part I want to look at first, it's verses 14 through 15. And it reveals to us how important it is for us as believers to invite people to follow Jesus. How can somebody believe if they've never heard? And how can they hear if we don't proclaim it? In other words, how can people possibly come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior unless we make an effort for them to know? The Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts aren't going to cut it. It's just not going to do the job, especially when Ashton, Ashton Kutcher is wearing it, right? And honestly, this is the whole point behind my dare for you to invite. Invite someone to your home so you can build a relationship with them. Invite someone to our church so they can see for themselves what the community of Christ looks like. So they can see a community that might care for them. And invite someone from there to surrender their life to Jesus. So they can have hope that comes only through knowing him. 
as their Lord and Savior. But honestly, if we don't make those invitations, how are people going to hear? More than likely, unless they've been to church, they're not going to follow a street sign here. How are people going to know that God cares for them and died to redeem them unless we as a community invite them to consider that truth? I love this passage. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. What an honor it is to have the opportunity to present to our world some wonderful news about a God who's deeply in love with his creation. What an honor it is to be able to invite somebody to consider the fact that God loves them. It's not the responsibility of the professional pastor to make those kinds of invitations. It's the responsibility of everyone and anyone who's received the good news of God's grace themselves. I talk about this a lot. You know, uh, when you find out some good news, you just can't help but share it. I love going on inmaricopa.com and finding out that there's some new building coming to Maricopa because I love to be the first person to run to somebody else and be like, hey, did you hear there's a movie theater coming? Right? When there's some kind of good news, we love to share it. And what an honor it is to be able to share the good news of God's grace. And it's an honor that anybody can take up, not just the professional pastor. And while we may face rejection, it's going to happen. While this challenge to invite a friend, it may be hard from time to time, Jesus said that the fields are ripe for harvest. We looked at that passage a couple weeks ago. In other words, people are ready to hear the good news of God's grace. People are ready to hear about a God who loves them deeply in the midst of a shallow culture like we live in. But they're not going to hear unless we tell them. They're not going to hear unless we extend an invitation for them to surrender their lives to Jesus. And it's really not as hard as we might think, okay? Um, I'm not going to throw up the bridge model with Romans passages on it and you draw the cross. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's great. Don't get me wrong. But it's not even that complicated. Look at verses 9 through 11 with me of chapter 10 in Romans. The Apostle Paul writes, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's really not that hard. Everyone who calls out to God with a desire to be saved will be saved. All it takes is to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead for our sake. And I think extending an invitation for someone to give their life to Jesus, it's really not as hard as we think it is. Again, there's a lot of fancy ways to do it with drawings and scripture memorization, but it's really as simple as looking for an opportunity in a conversation where someone reveals to you that they're hurting, that they're struggling, that they're broken, that they're desperate, that they need something. It's simply telling them that all it takes to find hope through Christ is to confess with your mouth that you believe that he cares about you, that you believe he died for your sins and rose again, and then to believe that in your heart like it's true. And I think what a lot of times we don't realize is that people need God, and God is already at work in people's lives. 
He's already making it undeniably clear to them. If you feel a prompting in your heart that maybe you should be courageous and extend an invitation for somebody to follow Christ, I would be willing to bet that it's the Holy Spirit prompting you to do that. Because the Holy Spirit has been prompting them to consider what life in Christ might look like. People need God. And he's already doing the work to prepare the way. It's up to us then to extend the invitation for them to confess and believe. So, if you haven't had a chance to write these dares down, I'm going to recap for you so that you won't forget. My dare for us today is to invite, to make an invitation, and it has kind of three parts with that unifying theme. First of all, I want to challenge you guys. I want to dare you to invite somebody into your home this week to share a meal. Build relationships that have kingdom significance. Be a part of building a church that has a sense of authentic community with a serious heart to love people who are outside of our, of our community. Part two is to invite someone to come check out our church, to see what it means to follow Jesus and be a part of a community that loves. Let them make the decision for themselves. Don't make it, bef- don't make it for them before you invite them and assume that they won't want to come. Let them make the decision themselves. Part three is to look for an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus and invite somebody to give their life to him in response. That's a dare right there. I don't know about you, but that makes me nervous. It makes me uncomfortable. But I dare you to give it a try. I I dream of a church where every single person who considers themselves a member is committed to this dare of invitation where every person who calls our church their home church is comfortable inviting non-believers to call on the name of Jesus to be saved. Wouldn't that be incredible if it wasn't just my responsibility, but we all shouldered that responsibility? I just dream about what God would do in people's lives, the people that we've been praying for for a couple weeks. Let me pray for us. God, this is a scary dare. It's scary to open up our homes and to invite people to come in. It's scary to invite somebody to come check out our church. What if they don't like it? It's even more scary, Lord, to put ourselves out there and to invite somebody to surrender their life to you. But God, I pray that you would lead us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would prompt us. I pray that you would give us courage that we would extend invitations and that we would be able to be a part of reaping the harvest that you said is ripe. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts, that we would be so excited about what it is that you've done to redeem us, that it would spill over out of our lives into the lives of those around us. God, give us wisdom as we make these invitations, but give us courage And I pray that you would work through our church. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen.